figure out what's on that disc. They've been framed for a crime they didn't commit. Everybody who touches that thing gets busted. Now, all they can count on is each other. I got an idea. Okay, let's nail him. Never send a boy to do a woman's job. You're not good enough to be us. Yeah, maybe I'm not. But we are. Welcome to Recap and Gown podcast where four old millennials talk about the high school and college movies from back in the day when we were high school and college students to find out what made the grade and what should have been held back. Representing the class of 03, I am your co-host Crooks. Joining me this week and every week, he sings like an angel and drinks like a fish, the class of 04's own Big Hearn, David Oscar Hernandez. What up, Dave? Hey, Brian. Uh, pretty excited to talk about what people thought technology was back in 1995. Uh, it was a very mm-hmm. different time. Very exciting. Yeah, backslash the mainframe and hardwire the Fliberty gibbet or whatever they said in this fucking movie. All that stuff. Also, <laughs> joining us from the class of 03, she is one half of our very own Texas two-step, the one and only big sis, Megan Mills. What up, Megan? Hi, how are you guys? Hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm really I can excited do. to talk about this one and really excited, Dave, to hear um, kind of your take and your perspective on this because I, I had never seen this before. So. Oh, really? Same. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Really? Same. same. I'm the only one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. Well, we'll maybe, see in a second maybe. here because we'll rounding out the two-step, this podcast's chief drag queen and trivia correspondent from the class of 01, Dana Griffin. What's up, Dana? Hey there, y'all. Um, I have seen this movie before. There you go. Thought. Um, didn't remember like <laughs> 99% of it. So can't mm-hmm. wait to relive a movie I've apparently watched a bunch of times before when it was on HBO. The best. Yeah. The best. Dave, what movie are we talking about this week and we where went, can we stream it? We went all the way back to 1995, a little film called Hackers. Uh, mm-hmm. quick, a uh, quick, quick synopsis. Uh, After breaking into the computers of a massive oil company, a group of teenage hackers uncovers evidence of a wide-ranging embezzlement scheme. Their intrusion is discovered, and they must rally to find proof and save themselves before they are captured by the police in this techno thriller. There you go. (laughs) I mean, you did a better job of summing that up than I could have after watching it twice. I was (laughs) so confused by what was going on in this movie. Uh, yeah, we and uh, it, 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 it's on HBO Go, Amazon, iTunes. You can buy it anywhere. But if you have it, an HBO subscription, it's free to stream. Yeah, super available, which, I mean, thank goodness it was, because this was, I'm happy that I saw this, and I'm also deeply confused by what it is I looked at. Uh, Big mm-hmm. Sis, give us a quick rundown of who's in this cast. Yeah, so this cast actually has some blast from the past, but also, you know, some actors and actresses that are still, you know, still have pretty prominent careers. So you have um, our lead, Dade, or Zero Cool, or Crash Override, (laughs) also known in today's day and age as Sherlock Holmes, Johnny Lee Miller, 
Mm -hmm. Then Angelina Jolie plays um, our heroine, Kate Libby, also known as Acid Burn. Uh-huh. Jesse Bradford is back again as Joey Pardia. Um, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. You have Matthew Lillard. Um, I'm not even Emmanuel Goldstein. I don't even remember that name being used in this movie, but he said it one time. Okay, there you go. <laughs> also known as serial killer. Uh-huh. Serial spelled like you know Lucky Charms. Um, uh-huh. Then we have Lawrence Mason as Paul Cook or Lord Nikon. We have Renally Santiago as Ramon Sanchez, the Phantom Freak. Fisher Stevens as the Plague, which we were just talking about before this episode that we all know from a variety of different other, other places. Um, but he, uh, he was pretty big back in, in the 90s. And then Lorraine Braco as Margot Wallace, which I had to do some deep diving on Lorraine and she has very interesting career. But one of the things I did read was she said she was one of the ugliest people in her high school. And oh then, my God, really? Yeah. And then became this like amazing movie star, but she also had a very unique look. So very interesting. Dave, um, do you want to do the Karen line from, um, from Goodfellas real quick? $60,000, Karen, that's all we got. I'm sorry, I didn't know. We needed that money, Karen. Karen? Yeah, she was um, really something in that movie. She was also, of course, Dr. Melfi in The Sopranos. Yeah, and she's, she. I mean, she was like a legit smoke show in Goodfellas. So hard to believe she was like an uggo in high school because she wasn't old in Goodfellas. Well, oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Huh. Things right. come out. Um, and one more, there's a couple other cast members, um, but one more that I have to point out. Penn Gillette played Hal. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, if anyone knows anything about old Vegas or old comedy, you have Penn and Teller, which are this comedy duo that did a lot of um, kind of slapsticky, but also very um, cutting edge magic. And for this past Christmas, my parents decided they wanted to go to Vegas as our Christmas vacation, which we never go on Christmas vacations. So to pick Vegas is very odd. Um, (laughs) But it was a pretty fun time. And we saw um, Penn and Teller, which my dad was so excited about. Um, Unfortunately, Teller got sick. So we only saw Penn. Oh, no. Well, what good is Penn with no Teller? He was pretty good. I mean, he's fine, but you have to have Teller over there, like, you know, making faces and shit. That's the whole point. No, that's a, it's a really good Vegas show. He actually plays bass with a little jazz trio before the show starts. It's kind of cool. It was great. It was, I buy that. It, um, you know, it, it actually was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So anyway, but last from the past. Yeah. Back here. Yeah, so uh, as we kind of talked about, um, Megan and I have never seen this movie before. Uh, Dana has seen it, but doesn't really remember it. Um, Dave, what were your memories of watching this the first time around? I saw it back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I definitely wasn't in the theater, but it was something that came on HBO. And uh, it was something different. I was a big Angelina Jolie fan at the time. Like, oh, it's something she did before I really knew who she was. And I uh, watched it that way. I was into computers. So it was kind of, it. even like four years later, it, it was kind of out of date when it came to that stuff. So it, it was, <laughs> it, it was kind of weird to watch, but there were some cool colors and some cool uh, graphic stuff going on there. So it was interesting. And uh, 
the internet was still a very new concept. So it was kind of exciting to see a movie talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're going to dig into a lot of the tech that this movie is all about. Um, we had to create a whole new segment just to kind of talk about a lot of this movie here. But um, <clears throat> before we get into any of that, right off the bat, having watched this movie again, uh, Dave, did this movie make the grade or should it have been a held back? Um, let's see. Because I watched it so many times when I was a kid and I rewatched it now. It's really tough to take it seriously now, but if you just <laughs> completely separate it and just say, is it good for what it was and what it is? It's an okay movie. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the plot difficulties and uh, some of the acting that was a little over the top. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think it made the grade, but it was like a C plus. Pretty good, not great. I probably won't watch it again for another twenty years, if ever again. But uh, it, it was a nice little reminiscing thing to do to watch it again. All right, Dana, what about you? Make the grade, or should it have been held back? That. I think it is a tough decision because it's so dependent on something that we take for granted nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm going to say, held back, I don't know how, how great the acting was, or I don't know if it's the, what was on the page or what they brought to it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on this one. I, yeah. I'm going to say. Fair. Yeah, Megan, what do you think? So I was actually just about to ask, like, was this supposed to be a, like a a parody or like a <laughs> like a play on something, you know, like kind of like Scream in the sense of, well, it's sort of supposed to be a little bit serious about its own storyline, but like even the internet wasn't like that in 95, yeah. you know, so... No, no, I think this is totally serious and earnest. It was supposed to be serious. Yeah, even even in that description I read, it's supposed to be a techno thriller. And it's funny yeah. a lot of the time. So, so that's yeah. my struggle. Like, if it was truly being trying to be a parody and sort of, like, almost advanced make fun of sort of this type of movie, then I would have said, yes, it made the grade because I could see that. If it was trying to be serious, I'm going to have to say it's held back because it – it just, it wasn't like good enough in certain areas, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, this movie for sure should have been held back. Like it's not, it's not <laughs> terrible. Like it's not, okay. I will say I was never bored watching this, which helps. Um, it's kind of right in line. There was like a lot of this kind of movie at the time. Um, Sandra Bullock was in the net, which, which would have been like right around this time. Um, yeah. I think Lawnmower Man might have been like a year or two before this. There was like a lot of movies right around this time when the internet was becoming a thing, when computers were becoming like more of a big part of our lives that was really trying to like push the envelope of what technology means in the modern sense. Um, that said, like I said, I had no idea what the fuck was going on for most of this movie. I, I really, I the plague has this like big plot in mind and I didn't follow it at all. I watched it both times. I'm just like, I, this is a convoluted scheme, man. You gotta, you gotta scheme better than this. Um, but I had a fun time watching it. There were a lot of fun visuals. Uh, they did a lot with costume, oh. which I think we're going to jump into in a sec here. But um, 
yeah, hold it back. But like, if, if it's a C plus for Dave, it's like a 59% F for me. Like it's just below passing this. Yeah, it was close. But without further ado, let's get into this recap. Where do you want to start, Dave? Let's, uh, let's start from the very beginning. Fade in, everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Starts off with a police raid. We, we, we don't really know what's going on at all. We, we don't know if it's a kid or an adult or what's going on. It's a, just, just your average suburban street. Turns out to be Dade Murphy's house. Uh, a bunch of Secret Service agents. A lot of firepower. A lot of manpower for, I'm presuming they know it's a little kid. Uh, they execute a no-knock warrant and bust down the door with a uh, battering ram. And just go into the house with semi-automatic weapons uh, as though they're expecting a lot of trouble in there. I was a little, um, I don't know if I would say disturbed by it, but it seemed like they brought the entire, uh, the entire cavalry for uh, one little kid. It didn't seem necessary to me. Uh, well, this is also broad daylight. It's not even like they're, they're coming at like two in the morning. This is the yeah. middle of the day. This was, so this opening scene is in 1988, and it says it's Correct. in Seattle. I was living right outside Seattle in 1988 and like to to imagine my little neighborhood in federal way washington and i'm like riding a big wheel past my house and all of a sudden there's like 80 dudes with long guns like busting into a house this was a lot for, for sure. a child they were arresting absolutely yeah there's a, I it, it's, I was it, yeah <laughs> sure look like it would have been no, they, yeah it, and it becomes a theme throughout the movie there's gonna be a lot of guns pointed in a lot of young young people's faces for Mm-hmm. Not not big time crimes, but I guess people took this stuff very seriously back then. Uh, so they introduced Dade Murphy. He is zero cool. He's a hacker, 11 years old. He crashed 1,507 systems and caused a seven point drop in the New York Stock Exchange. I, I hear seven points and that's just, God, I bet that was a big deal back then. It, it doesn't, even, doesn't even register to me considering what, 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 what we have seen lately. And it's actually the uh, prosecutor in a cameo is Felicity Huffman from Desperate Housewives. She's in, been in a ton of other stuff. She's in a little bit of trouble now. Uh, Convicted criminal. Yeah, it goes on. And <laughs> yeah, you just think about the, the modern volatility of markets. You don't, you don't even think about a seven-point drop. It, it'd be nothing considering for context. In 87, 88, it was an average of about 5,000 in, in the Dow Jones industrial average. So seven points wouldn't have hit, but they took it really seriously. And they threw the book at him. $45,000 yeah. in fines. And he can't use a computer or a touchstone phone until his 18th birthday. Quickly flash forward. Wait, wait, um, hold on. Yeah. How are they monitoring that? Like, I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, once he reaches 18, it's like, we're fine. Go back to using computers. Like, we trust you. You've learned your, I don't know. I thought that was, like, an interesting, like, until you were an adult. And then yeah. you're not going to hack anymore? Like, I don't know. I thought that was weird. I assume yeah. that it, it was, like, a a parole officer kind of thing would come and or a probation officer would, would come every so often like you aren't using a touchstone phone are you that's the part that stuck out to me the most is the touchstone phone thing so you're 11 you're yeah. not like buying your own phone are we supposed to believe that his parents were also sentenced to having like only rotary phones in their house until 95 well yeah all that money wasn't going to come from him so they find him and all that other stuff uh, probably punish them as well they probably couldn't even have a computer around so oh my God. yeah, that's got, gotta be a bummer. Gotta okay. be a bummer. For the less technology, technology, technological, that's the word, advanced people <laughs> in the house. Why touch tone phone versus rotary phone? Is it because it can have a, a dial up? Yeah. You see later in the, uh, 
movie, they have those devices that hook up to touchstone phones yep. and they can use it to uh, connect to, I don't know if, I guess you could, you could connect to the internet that way, just like if you plugged in a uh, phone line to your computer and did the dial up access for, um, for cool. AOL back in the day. Um, but in 88, I mean, in 88, would there have even been like commercial internet at your house to use? No, I, I don't know how he did it. I would have liked a little more of an explanation, but that was probably didn't even try, man. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Thank, thanks, Dave, for the education. Sure. <laughs> so you move forward seven years. His, um, him, him and his mom uh, moved to New York City where she got a new job. And uh, the very first day, he's allowed to technically use a computer and a touchstone phone again. I'm guessing that was his 18th birthday. There's a little, uh, it's a little unclear. I'll talk about a little more of that later. He hacks into a TV station and uh, encounters another hacker named uh, Acid Burn who uh, threatens him and eventually gets him kicked out of there. That turns out to be Kate. We find out later in the movie, the next morning goes to school. And there's one thing I hadn't thought about in a long time. It was rollerblading. Um, oh boy. Anybody Big else? Part of this movie. When, 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 when was the last time any of you rollerbladed? When was the last time you thought about rollerblading? But it plays a pretty big role in this movie. Well, I will say as a young person, like I loved rollerblading. Um, a little bit of an embarrassing story. I didn't learn to ride a bike for a real long time. Um, when I was like four. So, so I mentioned. Time. I might be able to top you. What do you got? Well, we'll see. So we mentioned that when I was little, I used to live in Seattle. And uh, there was a middle school near my house called Ilahi. I remember that because of the trauma I'm about to explain to you. Ilahi had a really, really steep hill to go like down into their parking lot and I was four years old we we're only there for a year I was four years old and my dad decided now is the day to take off her training wheels took me to Illahi and just proceeded to like let me fall down this steep hill on the pavement over and over and over again mm. and at that point I bailed and I'm like fuck it bikes are for the birds I'm not doing this and I feel like I didn't really try to ride a bike again until I was like nine or ten um, and so I was a rollerblading kid for a long time in my life after that. I used to be like super into watching um, like the inline rollerblading and stuff in X Games when I was younger. Um, I was thinking about this when you brought up, you know, the last time we thought about rollerblading. I still remember the names Eito Yasutoko, Ty Chris, and Matt Salerno as like three of the big names in rollerblading from the mid to late 90s. Those are definitely uh, names. Super yes. I yeah. agree those are people's names. Yes, those are people's yes. names. Yes, those are, those are for sure first and last names. I went <laughs> to watch the X Games like on a whim over the summer. They have completely eliminated inline skating from the X Games. Like it's not even yeah. a thing they do anymore. Mm. But I will say, um, I take my son for a lot of walks in our neighborhood. A lot of little kids are rollerblading nowadays. So it's okay. coming back around and having a moment. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it really did become kind of like a passe thing. Uh, Dana, did I beat you with my old kid learning how to ride a bike? I legit didn't learn how to ride a bike till I was 10. That's because I was... There you go. And no one was allowed to teach me. I would figure it out myself. So. Mm. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a different story. Um, yeah. I will say rollerblading is having a moment back in Austin. And I don't know, Dana, I know that you've been probably a little bit less out and about than I have. Um, but on the trail and downtown, because they took away, so Austin is like notorious for those scooters. 
um, and those kind of like segue all these varieties of different like um, app based little mini ride share things that you can like just hop on and hop off. And so they took those away with um, coronavirus and now everyone is like rollerbla rollerblading, um, hoverboarding and skateboarding. It's like wild. Um, no, I, I see a lot more of the two by twos now, like the roller skates. I see a lot of those nowadays too, oddly mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. yeah. No one is rollerblading down here, but it reminded me of a very, we don't have to spend this much time on rollerblading, but um, my <laughs> college field hockey coach one day decided to rollerblade from main campus to the athletic campus. Um, and we drove by her and she was like a legit rollerblader and was like doing spins, rollerblading backwards, like doing all this like really insane stuff. But then when it came time to practice, she didn't have shoes. Oh, <laughs> that's always the problem. Put them in that's your bag. Always... Nope, she had no bag. I think she had like no bag. Oh. <laughs> was... Man. And she just ran around practicing her socks. Like it was. Wow. Yeah. So that's my last. That one. was always my hang up. Like I loved, I loved a rollerblade, but like I would get somewhere and be like, well, now what the fuck am I going to do? I can't, you know, mm -hmm. I. That was always the problem for me. Yeah, they're heavy. Uh, you can tie the laces together and put them over your shoulder, but then you got 20 pounds worth of something over your shoulder for however long. And frankly, I what... always had the kind of the buckles. I never had laces on mine. Mine were always the uh -huh. big, clunky yeah. buckles. So even fewer options. This is fantastic. Like a ski boot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, after that, uh, he goes to his new school, meets some fellow hackers, uh, begins a rivalry with uh, Kate after he meets her. She says... Uh, there's a pool on the roof. He goes up there. Of course, no pool. Gets locked out during a rainstorm. Gets all wet. And he feels like shit about it. And he's, and he's fucking mad. He's really mad. And then he gets invited um, to a party at a super cool teenage hacker nightclub called Cyberdelia, which uh, all right. I think, I all think right. is worthy of a lot of uh, discussion. Because when, when he gets up there, it's like this big junkyard in, in the front. All this stuff. And then... People are selling computer equipment on one side and like records and like records sold in the street makes sense. Computer monitors and stuff like that. <laughs> I understand it's a cyber nightclub or whatever, but it just, it seemed weird to me. We gotta, we gotta dig into Cyberdelia. I have so many questions about what exactly Cyberdelia is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, Okay. So my first thought was, like, who owns this building? Um, it's a huge place. I don't know what part of New York this is in, yeah. but it doesn't seem like you're up on, like, Staten Island or anything. It seems like you're, I would guess, Manhattan. Maybe yeah. you're in Brooklyn, but, like, it looks like it's, you know, in, like, a pretty happening part of town. The rent must be through the roof, and we never see anybody spend a dime in here. There's no doorman taking cover. Uh, we see at one point that they're eating fries, but like, pretty sure those are McDonald's fries. Yeah. Yep. What, what is Cyberdelia? Like, I, what are your, like, how, I was so confused by what this gigantic place even is. Cyberdelia is an idea, man. It's more of a, <laughs> more of a concept, yo. It's a it's state a, of mind. It's a state of mind, man. No, it's, it, it makes very little sense. I think I, it's supposed to be kind of like a one of those like like coffee shop, bookshop, you know, like remember they, they used to have um 
and they still do more so in Europe where they have like those little like internet cafes. I think it was like a plussed up version of that. Mm-hmm. It looked. It was plussed all the way up. It almost looked like the Lost Boys like hangout in Hook. Nope. Yep. Like, That's exactly what it was. Yeah, but put in like 1995 New York, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If if Rufio would have come by, it would have been it would have fit right in there. The, the place seemed purpose built for rollerblading. They had like a ramp to get around in. Oh, and, yeah. and video. Yeah. Games. Yeah. Well, one video game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had like a gigantic screen. I didn't know what game that was. It was a PS1 game. It looked like to me. Wipeout. Love um, Wipeout. Well, there you go. I'm glad somebody knew what the hell that was. I used to work at a video game oh, store yeah. for many years and didn't recognize that one. No, when you bought the, uh, if, if you were one of the first people to, to get the PlayStation 1, they gave you a demo disc with a few different demos on it of different games. Mm-hmm. One of them was Wipeout. There you go. And yeah, you would I, play this... one random race and you'd shoot these little guns off to the side and you just try to race and do all that stuff. But they made a bunch of sequels. It was a very popular game. And I, I know that series because, you know, like I said, I worked at that video game store uh, from like middle of high school to end of college. And, like, I remember seeing the Wipeout discs and also those demo discs that people were trying to sell back. And I'm like, I can give you a penny for this. It's not worth anything. But, yeah, um, yeah the, the, the real problem that I had with Cyberdelia was just kind of, like, no sense of management, no sense of a purpose for the building. They weren't selling anything inside. They weren't – it just seemed like a cool, like, clubhouse for – techie teens to mm. come kick it in but yeah. yeah you're not making your rent on that build it's like zero gravity with like no alcohol yep and 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 of arcade so <laughs> listen you if you you invoke the name zero gravity it's kind of like beelzebub it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna pop up um for those who don't know uh, zero gravity was a an under 21 club um, I'm not sure if that was technically in Naperville. It probably was. Right on the um, edge of Naperville and yeah. Donish Grove right there at 53. And um, I, I'm not going to go into detail. I, 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 I yeah. don't know why I did <laughs> It was on 75th and 53. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was, I, I went there one time. Um, the summer before mm. college, uh, I went there with uh, my girlfriend at the time, Lindsay, who Megan was a good friend of in high school. Mm. Uh, we went there for a foam party which why else would you go to zero gravity if it wasn't for a foam party? They were using, I'm pretty sure like industrial grade dishwashing detergent because everybody's eyes were like bloodshot and bleeding by the end of it. Um, (laughs) It was gross. It was real gross. And um, moral of the story, Lindsay got a staph infection in her leg and almost died because that place was a fucking cesspool. Oh, well, good. So, good yeah, story. great place yeah. for teens. Yeah, my goodness. Mm. Um, yeah, so they hang out there. I uh, meet some of the other hackers. Uh, they they start to have conversations. They learn that uh, Dade's an elite guy. He knows what he's talking about. He he didn't lose a step from the time he was eleven. Now he's eighteen. I guess he kept reading books, and everyone knew. And uh, he, he and he was able to keep up his knowledge. So he was able to just jump right back in. Uh, there's a little kind of losery kid, uh, much, much younger than the rest of them named Joey. And they said, man, if you want to be elite, if you want to be taken seriously, you got to do like, you need a righteous hack. 
is what they call it to make a name for yourself. <laughs> and that's where really everything starts to fall apart. Cause he's kind of a screw up, kind of a klutz doesn't really, um, don't, 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 he doesn't really cover himself very well. Um, now, then, hold on. Um, now, while while yeah. we're while we're on this topic, I I don't I don't mean to keep interrupting, but there's no way that we can talk about this movie and talk about kind of all the things that are going to happen from this moment where we meet Joey for the first time onward, without digging into all of the weird and sort of incongruous tech shit that happens in this movie. So, you guys, it's time for a segment we're going to call Let's Talk About Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, you pointed out that he hasn't lost his touch uh, with his hacking. This dude has not touched a computer since he was 11. So yep. from 1988 to 1995, he's not touched a computer. His 88 computer, I'm going to assume, had to run on MS-DOS. Mm-hmm. Probably his current computer is Windows 95. How was it possible that he is still good at hacking with no practice for seven years and making that kind of a leap in, in different OSs that, that does not compute for me. No pun intended. No, there's a, there's a little part where um, I believe it's uh, serial killer brings all these different books and they're like, Oh, what are all these books? Cause they're, where did they're, those come from? They're the, they're the absolute essential. You have this backpack with these giant, really thick, big books and Dade knew every single one of them. So he's kept up to date with everything. Um, Maybe he went to school and he was allowed to type in school and very limited type. So, so he, he was able to, or, or maybe he was able to keep up with his typing skills on a typewriter because that's not connected to anything. Um, so the typing part, yes. Yeah, it's, you just, it's kind of a leap of faith. You just have to think him reading was enough for him to keep his skills. Well, I, actually, you know. That, you know what? Like, I, I kind of buy it when you put it like that because – while like my brain can't compute the idea of reading physical textbooks to figure out how your computer works because Ugh. obviously we would just google or you know do any sort of like online research if you're trying to watch a youtube off, video go online yeah. yeah um they like didn't you know back in the, the 95 like we didn't have as fast of an internet we didn't have those like search engines and so like you're still actually using books and manuals and all of that crap to figure out how your devices worked and figure out sort of code. And so with this discussion, it almost actually makes it more like I understand it more versus like the way that they positioned it in the movie didn't connect the dots quite as much for me. Yeah. We had that one scene of him with the books and he like, he knew what they all were. I didn't know where serial killer got all these books. Cause one of them, I think he said was like from the NSA. And I'm like, I could see how you would steal information, but like getting an entire gigantic book yeah. that they even pointed out wouldn't fit on a bookshelf. That kind of blew my mind. Um, we also, uh, there's that whole scene where we first kind of see Joey. He's talking to the freak who we will talk about in a little bit here. He says that he needs freak to give him a handle. Um, are we supposed to believe that like, the handles of Zero Cool and Acid Burn and Phantom Freak are like handed down from somebody else on high. Like, you don't get to pick your own name. I mean, I, I think he was trying to allude to the idea like you don't give yourself a nickname. Um, that a handle comes from somewhere. I don't know if that's the case or not. I, I don't know exactly how this works because 
obviously Crash Override just called himself Crash Override, and that's how he got his name. Um, and like, what cool hacker is he hanging out with? He's 11 years old. Right. To look right. At him zero cool. He's even a cool name. It sounds like a name an 11 year old makeup for himself. Well, it's probably a binary code thing, you know, zero. Cool. Oh my god, I bet it is binary. My brother would know. <laughs> what cool. if you like don't get your handle officially until you do a righteous hack? Like you can call yourself whatever you want, but until you've done a righteous hack, no one else calls you by it. That would make sense to me. That, I would that, get that. Because, because of how troubled he is by it. I was like, I don't have an identity, man. I'm just out there. I, I got nothing going on. So he's well, obviously freaked out about stuff. I'm guessing, yeah, he doesn't really have an identity until he does something and gets his name. It's driving him to smoke. He, like, was smoking two <laughs> Two at a time. Like, Underage smoking. Tis, yeah, tis. just so stressed by this. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll say, um, we talked about really briefly the last episode that I used to I used to be a b-boy for a number of years when I was younger and that part does check out to me um you to a degree like dudes will make up their own b-boy name um I don't think Megan I don't think you even know this and as close as we are I was uh Requiem for a very long time at battles and stuff that was my my b-boy handle if you will and like you can give yourself a name but you don't ever introduce yourself as that like if you go to a battle, they will call you out as that if you kind of know the DJ that's calling the battle or know the MC or whatever. So I guess I guess I get that he needs someone to give him a name. Um, I can play along with that. But really, the the overall perception of what I think people thought hacking looked like for a very long time after this movie, and really even like up till now, I feel like a lot of that came from this movie. Like the image of somebody just like sitting at a computer typing super fast and then going up oh, i'm in like I'm i think in. a lot of that like that came from i i used to watch um uh, blind spot which was a great show for the first couple seasons and then got bad but um the woman in that show who was the little sister in family ties is their like computer person kind of the same role as um penelope plays in criminal minds and like yeah her whole thing is just like Click, 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 type, 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 I'm in. So I feel like a lot of that sort of came from this movie. Do we ever recall seeing something earlier than 95 where someone's even like doing a hack like that? Oof. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. No idea. But it was also, it was interesting to see them do like the, it'll happen later, but like there are times when they're like click, click, clacking away on the keyboard, but like this, the monitor doesn't show anything that they're actually doing. doesn't do anything just numbers letters scrolling by or like a goddamn yeah. matrix or it's just in, like yeah yeah it looks like you're in the matrix and i was like that's why i was like is this a parody because no computer looked like that like i'm pretty sure you have to be able to see what you're typing in i yeah. don't know i i only know like how to do html like i don't know how to code but i was just like that doesn't seem the way my dad or my boyfriend do it but okay. <laughs> and like i i can code a little bit I'm, I'm a graphic designer but i've i've done a little bit of very bad web design you don't you can't you have to like think through it there's they never take a break to be like all right let me figure out what comes next they are just rapid fire typing nonstop like they don't they don't plan anything they don't react to anything um they make a lot of mentions of something they call the Gibson system. Mm-hmm. Uh, what exactly is going on with this thing? Like at first when they show it, 
I was like, okay, this is like a stylized imaging of what the inside workings of my computer would look like. Nah, man, it turns out this is really just like a huge room with gigantic glass towers that have like words projected on them and huge circuits in the floor and shit. They're like literal lightning bolts jumping around from one tower to the other. What is the Gibson system? I was so thrown by that. It's a supercomputer. Um, back in the day, the first computers would do basic calculations, and they and and they would literally fill up an entire room. Oh yeah. Uh, and they've gotten smaller and smaller, obviously. Uh, so this is just a 1995 version of the most powerful computer possible. It just takes up an entire room still, based on how they wanted to portray it in the movie. And I mean, it can do. It takes up like a warehouse. Exactly. And, and it can do more calculations per second than any other computer can. It does advanced mathematics to like help drill for oil and stuff and make sure that ships stay on course. Um, so it's able to do a lot of the uh, mathematics stuff that, that would take a human being a lot more time to do. Certainly. Um, while we're on this topic of like the Gibson system and all the weird sort of unexplainable tech stuff in this movie, do we think there's any limit to what these hackers can do. Like, I'm sure we'll get to it. We see them, uh, they hack the police department, they hack a bank, the FBI, this huge corporation, they hack their school, a TV station, they hack apparently every traffic light in New York. Like, is there any kind of a limit to what they're doing with like a dial-up modem at this point? It seems like they're basically just wizards. I mean, the fact that they said that some of their, passwords or simple words like god <laughs> like <laughs> like literally today in the way that we have to do our passwords it's like i can't even remember because the string of random characters that i have to interweave with capital letters lowercase letters um numbers and special symbols special character yeah it, it's like how can like three letters and like a word as simple as God be, you know, what's happening? So I guess in my mind, if you have any understanding of, if you've read all those books that they pulled out, if you have any understanding of like how kind of the technology works and, and things like that, it probably wasn't that hard, quote unquote, to hack because all you have to do is like guess one of four very easy passwords, you know? Yeah, I guess so. It just, yeah, they they do literally everything super fast. It's just, it it appears to be as easy as just like, my computer can connect to any computer from anywhere, and there's not like me trying to figure out where do I go to log in. It's just all kind of laid out in front of me here. Yeah, I think their limit is how far a... Um, organization wherever they're trying to hack is it, it depends on what precautions they've taken to keep people out um, obviously the city of New York doesn't protect their traffic lights very well they almost killed a lot of people by changing all those lights to green at the same time um, people people died yeah the, I when all those lights turn green you see those cars smash I'm like somebody broke their neck and somebody's dead but we're not going to talk about that for sure uh, no, it's, it's fine because, yeah. yeah that's what yeah their limit is basically how far they're willing to go and what walls are put up in front of them. Cause I actually looked into it, the, the, the different kinds of hackers out there. Um, 
you're able to really def define what kind of a hacker you are based on what you're trying to achieve and where you're willing to go with your knowledge. The three types, there's the black hat hacker, which is exclusively criminal. Say you go to a website on the internet, uh, maybe not one of the better websites to go, not exactly safe, and there's like a pop-up saying, uh, pay me this amount of money or I will send this email and do all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. They're just trying to pretty much blackmail people all the time and steal in, in information for nefarious purposes. That's a black hat hacker. Then there's the white hat hacker, the kind of uh, IT professional that a corporation would um, employ. I'm sure the plague started out good or maybe he was a dick the whole time. Um, Who could say? I mean, maybe he started off as a good hacker trying to protect this protect a company who's being paid very well, so on and so forth, and turned bad. But they're also called ethical hackers. They're, they search for vulnerabilities in the system and try to protect what they're trying to protect instead of trying to invade and do whatever. And then there's the gray hat, which I think is where most of these characters fit in. They're a mix of both. Um, they, they say that they're doing things for good reasons, like when they turn all those traffic light screens to slow down the cops so they can do their job and clear their name and uh, make sure that someone doesn't get away with a big crime. Uh, like later in the movie when Kate shoots at the security guard with a flare gun and almost kills him. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that's a, that is attempted murder. Um, yeah. That's obviously outside of the scope of hacking, but, uh, and when they uh, mess with the uh, secret service agent, R Richard Gill's financial, have him declared dead, put up a personals ad with all that stuff. And then he gets all those phone calls. I mean, and then they steal long distance phone calls by recording the dial tone. I tried that. doesn't work. But uh, yeah, of course not. But back to the limits part, obviously, wherever you want to take it, you can take it. And in 1995, there were very few limits. So that was one thing that I was like, they're able to do all that stuff to like Richard Gill, um, the Secret Service guy, but like they can't figure out a way to like just hack their friends out of prison. Like, I just don't. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the freak went to jail and they're just like, well, I guess you're in jail now. Like they didn't, it never even crossed their mind to try to get him out. We saw, they, they, okay, so they hacked Richard Gill to the point that he had 113 moving violations and a DUI. They got him arrested, yeah. like thrown face down on his car. And they're just like, well, I can't help the freak. You've hacked the police. You hacked the FBI. Like you don't, that bothered me so much because he wasn't even there at the end. Yeah, they, they did, didn't even like, get him out at the end, like the whole hack the world thing. I think they do like 120 because there's that competition, and at one point, yeah. like Kate and Date are tied, so it's like 60 things a piece. I think so. Like they've done 120 hacks of some variety <laughs> in like one day. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it all it literally does happen in a day. So like. Mm. You know, he gets out of prison and he winds up back. Like, you know, like the, the agent just has all this horrible stuff, but their buddy's just hanging out in jail. Like, it, yeah. that, I don't know. And listen, the freak, the freak is not a tough looking kid. He, he comes off very kind of effeminate in his presentation. He's not going to do well in Rikers Island. Like, he's, not great. he's in real trouble. Someone mm -hmm. needs to help him. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things, the, the other tech pieces that really kind of confused me, the fuck was that gigantic light up orange keyboard about? It has like holes for your fingers to go in, but yes. there's no like numbers or letters on the holes. We see Hal pinned ledges like sitting there 
I'm not sure he can work that thing by himself. It seems like mm. it's a two-man job. Yeah. What? What was that? Was anybody else kind of confused by what exactly this gigantic glass keyboard is supposed to do? I didn't realize his name was Hal until Megan said it. So I'm like, is that a nod to like, was it like two? 2001. It has to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, that computer, I was like, I don't think that's how they work, but it looked pretty. It looked cool. And I, I could see being in like 95 going, holy shit, what a cool thing. Now I'm just like, that looks so cumbersome, <laughs> like mm-hmm. hard to use. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if it was a regular old uh, QWERTY keyboard um, and, and everything's just spread out a little bit and maybe the letters are, up. Uh, letters and, and numbers are in the right place and just, yes, yeah, it's an odd design feature. It made it look cool, made it look advanced. Like, like that's where we're going, man. That's what all main it brands did look, look cool. like. Ah. It did look cool. There were like two other tech things. Because, I mean, this movie... If you guys haven't seen it, this movie is like 99% random tech jargon and like big computer stuff. Uh, the first thing that I'm sure checked out in 95 that does not make sense now, how in the hell are they storing all of that data on one little teeny tiny 3.5 inch floppy? Yeah, I mean... I- that seems like a file with that kind of information on it would take up more than one. Cause I, I remember buying games on floppy disks and oh you'd have God. to put in 12 to 15 different ones just to install it. Oh God. Uh, so, so to put all that financial information on one disc, I mean, maybe it's compressed in a certain way. I have no idea, but it, it was, yeah, it seemed like a bit of a jump to me to be able to fit all yeah, that on that. That really did throw me. And then, um, can we take a moment and talk about what the garbage file looks like every time we see it? It's like a like a trigonometric acid trip. It's like a bunch of equations flying around all over the yeah, place. Dude, it's uh, like a weird undulating, like Winamp visualization in the middle yeah. of all of this. Yeah, during what was the, going on with that? When they were at Kate's party, they they made a big deal about her laptop and all the colors, and they're like, "Ooh, the colors!" Yep. I'm like. Every time that garbage file popped up on a screen, it looked just as beautiful as anything on her super expensive laptop did. Um, Holy shit, yeah. So, so, so you would see these bright, trippy colors on everybody's screen, but they made a big deal out of this brand new fancy computer with a 20, 28.8 kbps modem. <laughs> oh, Slow as was, hell. Oh my God. So sad. I, I remember having a 56K when I first started going online. And Ooh, having fancy. the slowest, it was still the slowest, most garbage, like three hour download of a four megabyte song on uh, Napster ever. Um, uh, we were rocking a 14.4 for many years. And I remember uh, setting a song to download and then going to bed and hoping yeah. it would be done by the time I woke in the morning. Different time. Now, Different. Well, real quick, before we get off of this tech segment, which really could go on until the cows come home. Um, the last thing that just drove me fucking nuts, all of these little teeny tiny laptops, some, for some reason, project the image from the screen onto your face when you're watching it. Mm. Like, we have seen a million examples of how you stylize somebody looking at a screen. It's that, like, blue-gray light on your face so you can see looking at a screen. Why on earth 
would they choose to have these screens literally project what's happening onto your face? It, it distracted me so much and it mm. happens so many times. Yeah. It looked cool. Didn't make I don't sense. know. Like, I don't. <laughs> it looked cool. I'll give you that. Like, I think they were just trying to tell, like, show us how immersive and intense this hacking is. And it, mm. you wind up getting it in you. And all. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, yeah, I kept being mystified by it. didn't look cool. <laughs> Probably going to run into some oh. batteries if you keep it that bright. I'm, I mean, maybe you get like a half oh, hour yeah. of batteries when it's that bright. <laughs> I mean, back then, who could say? Like, my first cell phone, the battery would last for 35 years on one charge, but it yeah. also wasn't doing anything that was you know, this fancy in the first place. Yeah. Then um, Joey, taking that advice, decides to go after his righteous hack, and he obviously is going to listen to his friends. Like, I'm going after a Gibson. Uh, so he's able to hack into a Gibson supercomputer at Ellingson Mineral. Any copies, like we like we talked about a little bit earlier, part of a garbage file, not the entire thing. His mom comes in, turns off his computer in the middle of the download uh, before he's able to download everything, but they're able to trace him, figure all that out. Um, he had no idea what was on the file and what the trouble it would cause. He just wanted proof that he was there. Um, they're able to discern that there's two different viruses at Ellingson Mineral. There's one that is a worm that's stealing money and there's another that is threatening to capsize ships. The one that's stealing money, uh, the concept of it is called a salami slicing worm virus. Uh, if, you, if you've ever seen the movie Office Space, they do the same thing. They end up stealing way too much too yeah. fast. It's basically just, it takes a little bit because it's either you run into a bank and try to steal a million dollars or you steal 50 cents every half hour or so until it becomes real money. Um, so um, they find this program that's stealing just a little bit every time. It's already stolen like $22 million before they find it. Um, and both are covering for each other at the same time. And uh, they figure out that it's uh, the IT guy at Ellingson, uh, uh, the plague, who's behind it. And he's trying to blame it on hackers. And uh, he gets involved and tries – because he finds out Dade's got a record. He's like, I'm going to put some pressure on him and see where it goes. And it obviously escalates quite a bit from there. Joey is arrested while he's in the shower. So embarrassing. He's wearing headphones on his head with plastic bags around them. Did you guys ever do Weird. that with those kind of old school no. headphones? I, I probably just would have tried oh, to find out. No. It didn't make a lot. Did, did you really need the music that badly that you're going to, do that because I know that I'm sure once a drop of water touches those old school kind of headphones, they are useless and those couldn't be completely airtight. Well, we just um, we just had like a radio in the bathroom, just like yeah. play your music from the boombox on the countertop in the bathroom if you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, from there, he's put on uh, I don't know, it's necessarily pro probation. He's bailed out after that. Uh, he gives a copy of the garbage file discs um, to Freak, and uh, he's caught in the park by the two Secret Service agents, and then he's arrested. Uh, that was a pretty funny moment. There, there were a couple, of, I don't know if those were kind of like dream sequences where he sees all those cops outside, he, he, he starts throwing away all of his data and stuff and starts shredding paper and everything, and then eventually um, his mom walks in, tells him to go to school, opens up the uh, blinds on the window, an actual 
Secret Service agent with 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 their M16s. He's like, oh, I was just having a dream about this. This is deja vu. And then his mom in perfect, like super fast Spanish that that I haven't heard since since my grandma used to yell at me when I was a kid. Um, just just right. and then he's like, take me to jail already. Come on, come on. What's going on? Um, that was a genuinely funny scene. Like it was a, like the was the arrest a, him. So perfect. Like him running outside to look at all the cops in the street and then like, oh, this was only a bad dream. And then this dude like swings in Spider-Man style with like an yeah. M16. There's all of a sudden 35 heavily armed SWAT agents in his room. His mom is beating the fuck out of him. And that was a genuinely funny moment. Also when uh, when Joey got arrested and just like laid on the ground harassed. Yeah. Just butt cheeks, <laughs> you know, screaming in the wind. You good old butt cheeks in the wind, yeah. Which- um I thought it was kind of weird because Jesse Bradford was like a child. There's a lot of like kids in underwear. <laughs> a lot. That's true. Everybody gets arrested like I'm half pretty sure. It's weird. Yeah. There's a lot of kids in their underwear. Uh, we see Matthew Lillard's butt cheeks at one point. Um, Angelina Jolie has one boob out for like one yeah. second of this movie, which really seemed unnecessary. I don't know. It, why they had her do that but when I told yeah, there's a lot of almost nudity and like butts yeah mm-hmm. when I told my boyfriend we were watching this movie he's like oh that's the first time you get to see Angel- Angelina Jolie's <laughs> boobs in a movie and I was just like that's <laughs> remember and then he, wa- he came in like just in time to see it and then like kind of was like no that's not it and then what waited the rest of the movie and he was like oh that was the only time I was like that was it that that little one it's so brief out. It's so brief, but it was like indelible in his mind that he thought it was much more impressive. Like, yeah. that's a, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, a lot of... It un- would for sure stick with yeah. you. That, that, I think, was Angelina Jolie's personal request. I don't think it was... Oh, just like have like one boob out? <laughs> one like boob, if, please? If you go into a... I, I went into a little bit of a Google spiral, which I know, Dave, that you're going to talk about later, some fun facts from the movie... Um, I was like, what was Angelina Jolie like during this time? Because I know that she went through like various Wild. things in her life. And she was like, like child actress trying to like make a point and go wild and just like be the most different. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, that makes sense. I, I get everything about this movie and her right now. Well, and Gia, the HBO original movie Gia, which she was the the star of, she is like full blown topless for, in my mind, a lot of that movie. It's probably only like one or two scenes, but as a kid, of course, you know, I remember those scenes like yesterday. There's a chain link fence involved at one point, and that couldn't have been more than like two years after this, maybe. So she really did seem like she was trying to plant a flag and move in a, in a much more adult direction for the rest of her career after this. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they get the disc, uh, Freak hides it in the guy's bathroom behind the condom machine, and uh, Kate has to go in there to get it, which mm-hmm. is pretty funny. Uh, it's in that place where I left that thing that time. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's kind of a cool way to describe <laughs> it. Then I hang up the phone. That's it. Yep. Uh, she, she, she goes to get it, uh, gets a, gives a copy to Dade, and uh, Dade gets this new fancy laptop from uh, The Plague, and, it, and there's this perfect video on it. Uh, that pops up as soon as you open the Perfect. laptop. It seemed out of the capability of any technology at that point. <laughs> Tell me where the disc is. And uh, he didn't know what was on it. Then he gets threatened uh, by 
the plague and says, ah, you know, your mom, I can, I can change her criminal record. She'll go to jail and then I'll erase it. And then she'll just disappear because you could do that back then. You'll never uh, see her again. You'll never see her again. That was pretty, pretty sick stuff. So he's like, cool, no problem. <laughs> Hands off the disc, so on. And, and then he confesses later to his friends. I had to give him the disc. I didn't know it was on it. I was being threatened. And they decide to band together to take down the Gibson and uh, take down the virus to clear their names. So the hackers of the world unite. It's literally the hackers of the world. There's this British guy, uh, some people in Russia, I think, some Italian folks, some people in Japan. Yeah, um, let's let's yeah. dig into that a little bit. Um, yeah. So the English guy, these, these are all basically like stereotypes of the people from these countries. The English guy is like sitting outside by the River Thames with like the London the Bridge t- in the background, sipping mm-hmm. tea. Yeah, and like using his laptop on like in like a patio. The I didn't know if they were German or Russian. Probably they were Russian. They looked like a couple of dudes who hadn't shaved in a couple of days. A mm-hmm. shitload of like empty Pepsi bottles kind of strewn about. The the Japanese hackers were in like a neon lit up tea room of some sort. I yeah. I assume there was a gong like just off screen. Yeah. And the Italians. Um, <laughs> they may have been vampires. Super like they were hacking by candelabra light. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Just these were just all, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Like spikes. And like, I, I felt like they had a lot of buckles on their pants. Probably like these were, none of them seemed like regular people, which really, listen, if we're on the topic, uh, no one in this movie dressed like a regular person. Um, right. We've talked about some of these characters. I think it's time to like dig into these looks a little bit more with this segment that we like to call Frosted Tips and Butterfly Clips. <whistles> the overall look of the people in this movie, my God. It's like they were all in costume for something. Um, Angelina Jolie looks like she's kind of always on her way to or from a motorcycle race. Um, Dade is kind of dressed like he's in like a post-apocalyptic future of some sort. Uh, Nikon, I, I, he wore like a lot of very tight kind of like spandex shirts and stuff. Like he was in the Tour de France. Um, Freak, uh, I'm going to dig into one of his looks here in a second. He just, he was very much presenting as what you would imagine like a New York effeminately gay person in the 90s would look like and kind of present himself as. And then there's Serial. Um, I don't even know what to say about him. It's It's like he walked through a thrift shop and just like grabbed a little bit of everything and kind of put it all on. At one time, um, Dave, which look really kind of stood out to you the most here? Well, when you talk about um, cereal, uh, it was a kind of a general punk rock kind, kind of a look. It was a lot of denim uh, with patches on it, and it was always a band T-shirt. I remember those. I think it was a Velvet Underground shirt at some point. Um, yeah, there was. As hair and a lot of uh, braids. Uh, just a lot of a lot of confusion, just random clothing kind of thrown together, very, very tight pants. 
Um, and uh, just, yeah, his, his, his entire look is confusing. His entire um, story is confusing. They say that his parents uh, kind of just missed Woodstock and he's been paying for it ever since. And that's, that seems like the kind of look for me. Like he had kind of hippie parents who let him wear whatever he wanted. And that's what you end up with. Um, it, so is he in high school? Yeah. I, yes. I, I yes. don't know, man. The, no, the only, the, the only one of them that doesn't go to school is Nikon. Well, hold on. We see or, that he's or in the building with them. Oh, okay. Well, no, Nikon, listen, Nikon is a 40-year-old man hanging out with, okay. with teenagers. We'll get to him in a sec. But we see Serial, he's in school. He, like, sneaks into their advanced English class for some reason and quotes Ozzy Osbourne in there. But, like, I don't know if he really – I assume he goes to the school, but, yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions I have about him. The way that Matthew Lillard plays that role is as though he's an insane person. Mm-hmm. Like, he is so – everyone is a little bit over the top in this movie. It's like he's trying to outdo every single person in every single scene. He he legit feels like he's an insane person who like wandered onto the movie set. Megan, was there a specific look that kind of caught your eye the most in this movie? So as you mentioned, there are a lot of very interesting outfit choices. And so, it, I don't know. I usually like to pick something that resonated with me or reminded me of Oof, the- Good stuff. luck. Right. So I had to go with Joey's mom. Um, oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> she, she is so sweet. I don't know if you remember her because she like kind of randomly popped in and out and you know, and you sort of had to piece it together. But she had, she always had her hair and that ponytail. She always had these, no matter what she was wearing, even if it was like workout clothes, she had like three or four bangly bracelets um like yes she did necklaces these huge earrings the particular um look that i was uh noticing was she was wearing all of those things and neon tight biker shorts and then like yeah a tank top and i'm like Hmm. wait so she because athleisure is like a thing again but when people wear athleisure which is very common in austin you don't wear like costume jewelry or bangles. And so it, it like reminded me a little bit of like the hangover of the eighties. Um, you know, that she was kind of like, that's what she wore in the eighties. But then mm. I, like her personality and like the whole situation around her, I was like so confused. Um, but I just, ha- I, I had to stop. I, I literally stopped and paused the movie and I was like, what is she wearing? <laughs> I wanted more of her. Like, we didn't see her a lot. I would have exchanged, like, every scene that we got with Dade's mom for more mm-hmm. of Joey's mom. Oh, yeah, 100%. She was just, that actress was making choices. She was mm-hmm. like, I'm only in this for a couple of scenes. I'm going to do them big as hell. Like, the scene, yeah. I think the scene the biker shorts was when he got arrested. Yeah. And they're hauling him out. And she's like, Joey, Joey, what's happening? Joey, talk to me. <laughs> just like She is trying so hard to get in front of this camera as much as possible. Um, Dana, uh, what look caught your eye the most in this movie? 
Um, I would say it's like the the outfit the plague wears in the boardroom when he announces that they were like hacked and they're trying to, um, you know, spill over the tanker ships. Um, the -hmm. plague in general just has like a very like Lorraine Bracco's character makes a joke about him dressing in the dark and, um, it's a very like vampire in Brooklyn look, which, um, I don't know if anybody's Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, yes eddie murphy yeah yeah they came out the same year and they have like the same dark hair goatee dark outfits like long oh my god brocade vests a couple times and i was just like Mm. the freak is just in the wrong movie is kind of the sense that i got i think that i feel like everybody was in a different movie a little bit with like the costumes (laughs) and the acting choices yeah yeah, for a while there, I was watching it like, oh, they're all dressed up like they're in different anime movies, is kind of how it looked to me for a little while there. But yeah, his look was, he was like performing menacing. Like he just, he wanted to look scary, despite the fact that he's kind of like a squirrely little computer dork. But yeah, he was, he was definitely trying to send a message with his look. Um, for me... And I texted you guys the first time I watched this to call dibs on this look. And then I immediately regretted it when I saw every single outfit that Matthew Lillard had on throughout the course of this thing. But the one that caught me the most before I even knew he was a real character in the movie is when you see the freak the first time. Uh, This dude is, he's in like two different kinds of leopard print. He's got like a, a very bright yellow leopard print tank top and then also like orange to white gradient leopard print pants that I'm going to assume were like velour. And then also a pocket chain or a wallet chain that hangs down to like his mid shin. This movie was lousy with wallet chains. Everyone seemed to have one on and they were all longer than the last, but his look with his his outfits, he wears a lot of animal print. And then he also had like sort of shoulder length loose curls for his hair. I, I, I'm not sure what they were trying to tell us with his look. Um, again, you know, understanding uh, what 90s youth culture was mostly through the prism of like Sally Jesse Raphael and Donahue. I'm gonna assume he was supposed to be like a 90s club kid. That was kind of the look that a lot of them gave off, kind of if they were yeah. going to school at the time. But yeah. right away, I'm just like, man, you are telling everybody, like, I'm peacocking with every piece of clothing that I have on. I saw a little bit of David Lee Roth as well. It was like a crop top. Like, it wasn't, we're yeah. underselling the look. Like, it was a nice crop top. Uh, the wallet chain signifies punk kid because um, it was also present in Bring It On. Yeah. There were a lot of wallet chains to signify a bad element. Yeah, the, the the tank top, I think the word to describe it was like flouncy. It was like a flouncy, like a light fabric tank. Um, I mean, I didn't know that was like his signature was always wearing animal print because we see it later on in the party scene where he's got like an animal print laser on just i mean he was really trying to get all the attention with his clothes and his hair and what a look yeah pretty pretty cool man i was i I was a big fan of uh, (laughs) pretty cool pretty pretty cool so they all come together (laughs) 
and it all works out. They're able to obtain the proof they needed to clear their names, and then Razor and Blade help a serial killer get on TV on every station because that's something they can do apparently without any issue. Just every and in the big screen. one in, in Times Square. That one especially. Uh, that was very impressive. They put the evidence out in the open. Who's so, audio? Like the the, the the Secret Service is like we've been had, uh, and and everyone gets caught, and then love conquers all. They end up in the swimming pool. The whole crash and burn thing in the uh, windows of those buildings next door, and we reach the end right there. A um, lot of other stuff to talk about this movie. There's so much. There were a couple really memorable performances. I especially looked at uh, Fisher Stevens as the plague. Um, one thing that really popped out was his skateboarding and how it came at really unnecessary and inappropriate times. Um, <laughs> no, no, like he, 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 he enters the mainframe and he's skateboarding because he needs to skateboard. Uh, and then he kicks it up to his hand, be like, oh, I'm going to hold it here. Have no, or sorry, as I like, never fear, I is here. And then he just throws it on the ground because what was the point of any of that? And then uh, uh-huh. when he goes to pick, and, and when he goes to pick up the disc from uh, Dade, he uh, skateboards and holds onto the limo at the same time. And, uh, very he uh, is sketching on a limo it I, uh oh i wrote it down that he was marty mcflying is that yeah. have a different reference okay yeah oh well yeah he grabbed the same the same it, yeah it, it, it just looked like that he was just hanging on to the side of the window like i need to get closer because i couldn't possibly be in the limo and reach my arm out because that would be ridiculous heaven forbid um, yeah heaven well, forbid what what caught me the most in that scene, that was the, I think it's the only time we see Dade like on the streets without having rollerblades on. And I'm yes. like, okay, dude, dude, like he wasn't even moving that fast. Just like mm-hmm. relatively slowly skates by, snatches it out of your hand, grabs it on the window. Dade watches him roll the wave for a second and then like feebly kind of runs after him. Where are your rollerblades? You could have caught up pretty quickly, man. True, true. Yeah. If only he would have had his rollerblades. He also looked wobbly on the skateboard. I think he could have given a great shoulder <laughs> check. Like, yeah. Everything was fine. He's not good at it. No. Then we also see him we also see him like rollerblade by when they're in the middle of the heist and uh Lord Nikon, the forty year old man whose friends are all in high school, is like watching everyone put their passwords into the computer. And he he's not even rollerblading or skateboarding to anything. He's just like slowly going between cubicles and eating like a green Twizzler um, on his skateboard in the middle of the day for no reason. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> cool guy. Real no, cool guy. No, he's actually, he's a really bad guy. He just keeps escalating his, his, his threats to date. He's not, he's ruthless. He's, he's willing to do whatever it takes to save himself uh, over everybody else, in, 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 including creating a, ecological disaster that could destroy the oceans and the uh, shorelines of a lot of countries. And he just doesn't care. He's like, I want my $25 million and I want it now. Yeah. The the ecological uh, disaster is really what got Lorraine Bracco's character. She didn't care that they were stealing $25 million, but once Mm -hmm. it was, didn't care about frightening the kids. It was the ecological disaster, which I guess. Nice. Oil spills. Yeah. Yeah, and, and during that uh, board meeting part, when, when she says that he dresses in the dark, you notice he's drinking Coca-Cola while all the other cool hackers are drinking Jolt Cola. That should tell you everything you need to know. I did not really. Yeah, yikes. 
No, it's, it, it, it looked like it was. It looked like it was a piece of corporate sponsorship. Like you only see his hand with a Coca Cola can with the Coca Cola on there. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe maybe they got a deal to put that can right there at at, at that moment. But uh, yeah, everyone else. Oh, they for sure did because earlier in the movie, we see um, Johnny Lee Miller with a two liter of Coke with the label facing out. It was yes. a weird looking two liter bottle. It was like skinny and super tall. But yeah, that Coke. Well, Pepsi also got sponsored in this movie because all the Russian dudes were drinking a shitload of Pepsi at the time. True, true. And we already uh, kind of discussed uh, serial killer, what we think is wrong. Uh, anybody else have any thoughts about uh, that entire? Because there was just that one line saying that his parents missed Woodstock and he's been paying for it ever since. Any other ideas of why he is how he is and has to like go from house to house and doesn't have like a steady place to stay. Yeah, like that caught well, my eye. Well, like, can I stay here? Can I? And it's just like, are, is he homeless? Like, actually, like, I was he might homeless. be homeless. Yeah, might be homeless. Like he was like had he had graduated, and his parents were like, "We're hippies. <laughs> you now do you know like we're hippies. You raised you to just do whatever, and then now we're not going to pay for you anymore." And then he's like, mm. "Flip your life." And that's why he's like at school, even though he's not supposed to be. Yeah. Hacking is I'll tell you what it would have made that character make sense to me. Mm. Uh, if he was on drugs, I'd be like, okay, like I get it. He's weird because he's always high. No one in this movie does drugs. Yeah. You have these kids who are out until three or four in the morning, very routinely. They, they have like prominent placement of clocks often in this movie to like show you how late they're staying up to hack and stuff. They're out until three or four in the morning traipsing around New York city. I would have expected at least ecstasy. Um, none of these kids do any drugs. So if, if serial killer was on drugs, I'd be like, okay, I get why he's so weird. Like he's doped up all the time. No, I, I guess he's just like a weird guy who's weird for the sake of weird. Yeah, and has a very expensive uh, hobby in hacking. I don't know how he affords it, but yeah, it's one of those questions. Now, um, there's a scene here that I think we, we really need to dig into. Um, so it's time for a segment we call Mic Check. There wasn't a whole lot of music that like stood out to me in this movie. Um, we hear uh, Voodoo People by The Prodigy twice. Most of it was just kind of generic techno, like house music from the mid 90s or whatever. Uh, but there was a scene that took place here where Kate and Dade go to um, a big rave to look for these two hackers, Razor and Blade. Um, what did we all make of this whole rave scene to begin with? Um, it, it switches up kind of turns on a dime where it's like straight techno. And then within like seconds of them arriving, they get put into like a mosh pit and there's like a live band playing with kind of rock music. Um, a lot of people dressed. Yeah, that was uh, the really, song. Really cool. That really was cool. Good Grief by uh, Urban Dance Squad. They, they, they kind of sound like um, they'd fit in with like Limp Biscuit and P.O.D., yeah, which did not at all fit like the mood of this this weird rave. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. The the rap rack or uh, rap rock. I sorry, that was like there a, it is. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, 
um yeah i was like this is such like a weird well because like obviously they had to have an impediment to get them so they couldn't get to the stage so it's like we're gonna make it a right. you know like they had to have something and yeah it definitely altered the tone a little bit but i was just like this seems so out of place yeah well, well and what what caught me there okay so they're there to find razor and blade who again um are two very like queer presenting characters and they don't to their credit, they don't make any kind of like a big deal about it. No one kind of remarks that these characters definitely appear to be flamboyantly gay. Um, Kate and Dade get like caught trying to find them and they wind up in like a back room of some sort with like what we think is a gun on a giant robot arm. Do Razor and Blade own that club? What was what was going on there? That's a that's a fine thought. I everything's so un, unclear, <laughs> and you figure at a place where where you have an office, you have some kind of ownership stake. Maybe I have no idea. I really don't. Like yeah, it's just another you know unused warehouse in New York City somewhere in the mid nineties. <laughs> and it's all good. Like this is a you would think maybe it's like cyberdelia, but no, it's they have their own giant warehouse to have parties in so yeah that was maybe because oh, yeah, people are drinking at that when they have like champagne bottles yeah, right maybe they found a way to hack into the system so they owned this thing I, yeah like it, these are great questions that will <laughs> they for sure hacked that they, they hacked the hell out of that club obviously yeah computers now, uh, dave you were telling me something earlier about uh the soundtrack that blew my fucking mind you want to clue the listeners in here yeah, I mean, the the 90s was a big time for soundtracks when it came to movies. Oftentimes, they, they would end up being bigger than a lot of the movies. Um, in this case, this soundtrack was released in three volumes over the course of three years. Um, the first volume... Why? I, I, dude, I have no idea. There was There's really nothing that really <laughs> stuck out of, out of any of them. The first volume was called Hackers. Their only crime was Curiosity, the original motion picture soundtrack, which was actually songs... From the film, it included groups like Prodigy, Underworld, Orbital, like Techno House, Electronica, and uh, stuff like that. And then the next two, Hackers Squared, from and inspired by the original motion picture Hackers, was music that was inspired by, I guess, hacking and the movie itself. Same thing with (laughs) Hackers Cubed, which is another one of those uh, soundtrack volumes that uh, just ended up being... People were inspired enough a uh, full three years after the movie came out to, uh, or two, I guess it'd be two years of, nine, came out in 95, first volume, second volume. They, they were still inspired enough to create music based on the movie. So, yeah, I don't know. Jesus. Yeah, the fact that they rolled this soundtrack out over the course of three years, I was like, what are we, I could see if they did it over the course of like three months. Because, you know, Movies were in theaters for a long time back then. I could see you having like one come out when it's first in theaters, one a month later, and then one like at the tail end of its run. But three years for this movie. Like when the last soundtrack came out, The Matrix was almost in theaters. It's a huge gap of time between like the quality of what we're thinking hackers are then to The Matrix. Yep. Yeah. That soundtrack cycle would like make sense if this was a blockbuster like huge yeah, that everybody was obsessed with 
Oh yeah, it, 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 it was not effect at all. Like oh, it, 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 it was the opposite. It, uh, it failed pretty miserably at the box office. Made uh, seven, <laughs> it, it, it made seven point five million against a twenty million dollar budget. Those numbers just Yikes. don't uh, don't yeah. come together. But but it's it's become a cult classic since then. So people have I guess grown to love it. I can I can see how it would become a cult classic. Um, they were making a lot of very bold choices with a lot of things. The plot itself is a lot. The characterization of all of these characters is a lot. The whole look, the feel, the idea of Cyberdelia. Like, I see why, to a certain, not necessarily super broad audience, but to, like, a specific audience, I could see how this has become, like, a big fascination. Um, there's one element of this movie that we have not yet discussed, and that is the relationship uh, between Kate and Dade here. So it's time for a, a quick segment we call Love at First Semester. Can we talk about their relationship in the movie and then sidestep and talk about their relationship in real life? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I think we, we've got to do that. Um, on screen here, uh, what did we make of their relationship? I feel like it was like the typical, you know, guy doesn't really do well with girls situation. I think Dade's mom, I wrote this down in one of the first scenes, asked him directly, like, you do like girls, right? You know, like, mm. in a way of, yeah. like, you are okay, which... I, I don't love that. And if we're, if we're going to talk about problematic moments later, um, we, can, we can dive into that more. But I feel like it's a little bit of, you know, Dade is not very great with women and then decides to, you know, the, the, it's a defense mechanism where it decides to kind of like go up against Kate. And Kate, meanwhile, is like, you know, sort of the cream of the crop, I guess of female hackers and so doesn't get it and so it's just like supposed to be this like kind of like romance and love scene that i understand in essence that they built up but again it's like the core elements of this movie where i'm like yes i understand what you're trying to get to but then the way you made it happen seemed like a parody or <laughs> or like a little bit contrived and so yeah. Um, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on the, like, sort of that crush scenario. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he meets her, uh, you remember how, like, she, like, speaks to him, and there's these kind of cutaway scenes, like, her face kind of becomes like a comic book scene, and that goes back and forth and back and forth. Boy. I don't know, I don't know if that's, like, his, his head kind of processing, like, uh, wow, uh, oh. She's uh, wow. <laughs> That's what I thought about it. And he, um, and when she kind of like gave him shit and uh, sent him up to the roof and stuff, I, he was mad. But I think it was kind of in a good way. Like I'm into this. She's she's kind of making fun of me. I think I'm. I think I kind of like this a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, those weird, vivid dreams that 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 came. Like she bust into his room with the jacket thing and the one boob and. Um, and then there was another <laughs> dream sequence and there was another dream sequence later where he, after they were talking about the bet that, that they made that he would have to wear a dress on their date. He's like wearing this spandex kind of get up and you see his thing. Ugh, 
you see his fingers run and then it goes up to his face and he's the one wearing the like the the uh, woman's red spandex and vinyl outfit and then she wakes up like oh okay maybe i'm kind of into this too it's an interesting way to but that was definitely that was for sure a female body double like yes we saw like legs and crotch that was a woman yes It, it didn't make any sense yeah i their their whole relationship for me seemed like super unnecessary um first of all kate is the only woman in this movie um the only like teenage woman in this movie that has any lines at all yeah it's not like we have other female characters that interact with her she is the only woman who is you know not a mom or lorraine brocco who has any lines in this whole movie and so in my mind it's like all right there's no reason that she and Dade are together. I get he has a crush on her. That makes sense. Um, But their whole relationship didn't seem necessary to me. Um, We also introduced this character, Curtis, in the beginning of the movie at Cyberdelia as her boyfriend. Um, We see him at her party. So they're obviously together. Then they just like drop that character all together with no mention of him ever again. He is just gone. And like they're kind of setting up to be kind of like the villain and the antagonist here um, to Dade, but they just drop him completely. And the whole relationship just kind of seems like it's only there. So at the end, we can have the scene of them like, splashing around in the water looking at crash and burn lit up on these skyscrapers i I didn't feel like their relationship really added anything to the movie am i am i all alone on that one no it 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 really didn't i mean he drove a motorcycle and he's cool and you don't ride a motorcycle you have rollerblades and you're not cool that's really what i got from him when 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 they first kind of met up outside of that bar sorry cyberdelia teenage nightclub cyberdelia Do we think there's like a longer cut where this movie makes more sense? Like, do we think there's stuff cut Is out? there a Zack Snyder cut of Hackers out there three hours long? I, I certainly hope so. Is it, yeah, a three hour long cut. Yeah. Yeah. Like the directors, uh, Ian or Ian Softly, do we think there's like a Softly cut out there that we need released to us so we can really understand? There has to be. There yeah. has to be because like, their whole romance doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if not. They introduce the character of the advanced English teacher. And like, it seems like he has more to say. Because he's not like a generic teacher. Like he's, you know, they, they talk about uh, Kate's mom being like a self-help author. And that goes nowhere. There's a lot of stuff in here where it's like, they have that whole character of um, the agent who looks kind of young. He looks like a young John Leguizamo to me. Um, and Mark we see Anthony? him like go. You mean Mark Anthony? Was that Mark Anthony? That was yeah. Mark Anthony. That is the singer. Okay. I thought I recognized him. Okay. I was like, I know that dude. All right. Yes. Okay. So he. That was my bad. Yeah, well, it's fine. He doesn't really do anything. But like he, he goes undercover into that party. And then we don't really see him do much after that. I bet there is a lot of stuff that was like removed from this movie for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, their, their relationship to me just kind of seemed like 
well, we have two young, hot people. They've got to wind up together because otherwise, what are we doing? It's a teen movie. But yeah, that their whole relationship to me just kind of fell flat. But, mm. but also, I think it's an Angelina Jolie potential decision um, because I, I would love to hear, Dave, I know that you had some fun facts about this movie yeah. about their relationship. Well, they, uh, during the filming of this movie, they got very close and they were actually married shortly after the end of filming. Uh, they were together for a while. They actually divorced in uh, the year 2000. Um, so yeah, that all this stuff and being that close to each other for that long filming the movie really did bring them together in real life. And weirdly enough, I, so again, as I mentioned earlier, I was very far into Google on Angelina Jolie during this movie and during this time. So apparently at their wedding, she was wearing black leather pants, a white t-shirt with Johnny Lee Miller's name on it, written in blood. Oh, no. hmm. oh in blood. God. Cool. What is it with her in blood? I don't know. This was way before the, the all that Billy Bob Thornton stuff. I know. Blood around the neck. But yeah, yeah okay. So she, so she was so so she was into it way before that then. Mm-hmm. Just, just oh wearing blood. That is I, I was starting nice. to piece together her different sort of um caricatures of fame. I'm I'm sorry, whose blood do we think that was? I have no idea. Because Johnny Lee Miller is not a short name. That's a lot of blood from someone. Maybe just said Miller. Or just Johnny. I'm going to assume it was Johnny Lee Miller in in like fancy cursive. Fancy cursive? In blood? Okay. Fancy cursive. Yikes. Well, I'm happy I know that about her now. Now, uh, one thing that we like to do in this podcast is take a character who didn't have a very big role and kind of look into the rest of their career, see if this movie was the start of something big for them or just kind of the peak of their whole career. So it's time for a really quick IMDb deep dive. Dave, who do you got this week? There were a lot of uh, secondary characters in this movie that I could have picked, but that we would have known, like Mark Anthony or Wendell Pierce, who ended up being The Wire, so on and so forth. But there's a character actor who, as soon as I saw him in this movie, I'm like, that guy. He's a he's the consummate that guy. His name's Michael Gaston. He played uh, Secret Service agent Bob, who was partners with Mark Anthony in the movie. I'd seen him in a ton of movies, a ton of TV shows. I never knew his name. I looked him up on IMDb. 119 credits. This was his third movie. So many. Hackers. Um, and uh, uh, his, some of his other films include Ransom with Mel Gibson, Copland with uh, Sylvester Stallone. He was in... Uh, the George mm-hmm. W. Bush movie, W. He was General Tommy Franks in that. He was in uh, Bridge of Spies for Steven Spielberg. And most recently, he was in Spencer Confidential, which was on Netflix with Mark Wahlberg. And basically, if, if you name any major TV show from the last 25 years, good chance he's had a part on it. Maybe one episode, two episodes. He's just one of those character actor guys you've seen everywhere, like every Law & Order. Uh, he, he was a character on, on The West Wing that I recognized as well. That's usually what he plays. He's a, he's a law and order type of guy. He plays lawyers, judges. He plays police officers. Um, and he calls the hacker manifesto commie bullshit. So he's one of those like traditionalist Archie Bunker style. Uh, everyone who's to the left of 
anybody is a communist. So he played that role really, really well. He got a big career. Uh, that was that was interesting to talk about. I know him um, from Fringe and Jericho. Like I love Fringe. I will talk about Fringe as often as I can. Yep. Um, in both of those roles, he does play kind of like a dick. I think in Fringe, he's like. Um, I think he's probably an FBI agent because a lot of mm-hmm. those characters are, but I feel like he's one of the ones who's kind of like, I'm out to find out what's really happening at Fringe Division. Um, Jericho is one of my like favorite shows of all time. I didn't get a full enough run. I think he only has two seasons, but in that show, he's also like the asshole who's out to like spoil the plot that's going on for the main character. And like, yeah, he is, he's got one of those faces. Like, yep. He's got, you kind of feel like if he smiles, it looks like it would hurt. I kind of feel like he's, he's got one of those faces where it's just kind of like, you are built to play the heavy in like whatever role you get. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. And just like the end of the school year, that means it's time to hand out some superlatives. Dade is most likely to accidentally cause a citywide blackout while trying to impress a girl. Kate is most likely to get a tech job where she can masquerade as a man in order to be taken seriously. Hmm. Nikon is most likely to still be hanging out with teenagers when he is deep into his 50s. Freak is most likely to ask someone, hey, don't you know who I am? Uh, Joey is most likely to still be living with his mom when he is 40, and Serial is most likely to think the government is sending him messages through his fillings. Mm. That is Mm. where we are with all those guys. Uh, Megan, the next movie is your pick. What are we going to watch next? So um, kind of sticking with the theme of high school, college, um, Dazed and Confused came up as an idea I think probably you had, but living in Austin, Texas, and with like Matthew McConaughey being here, and the fact that I've never seen Dazed and Confused, which is apparently largely set in Austin, I I feel like we have to. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the next step. So I am very so excited dazed, for that. Dazed and Confused. Dazed and confused. You guys, if you like what you heard this week, uh, pop on over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is you hear your podcasts and uh, give us a five-star review. Maybe leave some kind of a little comment about how great we are. And if you don't, to quote Plague, that means you, my friend, are a tech weenie. (laughs) Take it easy, millennials. We will see you next week.